You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain. With none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. Simple rules, dramatic results. With your hosts, Brian and Johnny. With your hosts, Kenneth and Johnny. What are we going to talk about? Well, this is, what yeah. are we going to talk about? Let's go on Evernote. Right, so we've got <coughs> periods. That's a big topic. And... <laughs> Training while... Recently, we have bought two new microphones called Snow, Snow Cone. What, what are they called? Dildo. Dildo. Dildo 1 and Dildo 2. What are they actually called? <laughs> the the problem is they're very dildo, and I, I use that adjective quite deliberately. Yeah, yes, they... dildo is an adjective. No, um... As of today. Yeah, so if you've heard our last episode with Andy Morgan, you'll see that he recommended us to buy a better microphone and not this grey thing that's in a cardboard box. <laughs> so, we took his advice, we bought a dildo. So, <laughs> two dildos. Since you, since we've been doing these podcasts, Yusuf's fully immersed himself in the world of sound editing. And so, he's now become an absolute sound snob. So, if he listens to anything, like a CD, he's like, oh, God, listen to the background hiss on this. They're clearly using a Cardio 952 with a, with a B-plus sensor on. Um, and we've just been recording this for the first piece of the intro was recorded using his laptop microphone, which he paid no additional money for, played it back to me. And he was like, see, fantastic. Like, listen, listen to how brilliant this is. Aren't you glad that we invested all this money in these two dildos? And (laughs) turns out, (laughs) turns out that it was with his laptop. So... I referenced him to the idea, I, I don't know whether this actually happened, it's just one of those things that I have in the back of my head, where they gave wine testers, does this ring a bell? Double blind test with, with wine posh, testers. posh wine and cheap wine, and they couldn't tell the difference. I'm so embarrassed. I'm just the wine tester. <laughs> that no one, you're the guy that no one likes at the it's party. Like, oh yeah, yeah, this is a Byzantine <laughs> with a really oaky... <laughs> when someone's giving like an announcement at, at a wedding, using like a microphone and speaker, you're like... God, listen to that. Listen to this jugger. He's got his microphone on. Hasn't bi- even got a Bidenoid. Hasn't got a pop filter. What a dick. Yeah. Hopefully you guys can leave us a review on iTunes and let just, us know if, if you think Just that... talk about the microphone, not the content, just the microphone. I love the Propane Fitness podcast because it's silky smooth audio quality. <laughs> I can't understand what they're saying. Or what they're talking about. I don't even speak English. <laughs> They've done well to craft that sentence up to that point (laughs) if they don't speak English. (laughs) That's apparently the best way to to not have a conversation with someone in a foreign country. Or even anywhere in the UK, someone asks you a question. Terribly sorry, I don't speak a word of English. Best response. (laughs) And then if they say, well, you clearly do, say, no, 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 I just learned that sentence. In preparation, just in case. And you, then they you go. Must be mistaken. But what? 
<laughs> they say, but what about that sentence? And I say, oh, well, I've preempted that. And I've learned <laughs> that sentence too. And then you have an infinite recursive loop of questions going back and forth saying, but what about that one and that one? At that stage, easier to learn English, I think. Well, you've, you're halfway there by that point. So. <laughs> you've, le- you've learned an infinite number of permutations of sentences to combat objections that you know or don't know how to speak English. <laughs> so, welcome to the Propane Fitness... What what number is it? 43? 2? 4? 44? 44, okay. No, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it is. Every we, single time well, we have this. That's because Johnny made us start recording before we even knew what we are going to talk about. <laughs> um, right. Andy Morgan, 43. Andy Morgan, part 2, 44. So, 45. Be 45. That's right, there is an Andy Morgan, part 2. Is that going to be released after this? Before this. Damn it. So, if you haven't heard it, go back go and back, listen to it. It's listen fantastic. To it. Listen to Chris Williamson, part 1 and 2 as well. That's that, hard. We had some of the best feedback for that ever, episode. Ever, ever, yeah. <laughs> We've had two for strength maintenance on a cut. Training and diet modification... Volume reductions in training, what kind of interventions would you make? Darren, basically, training while on a cut, I've had issues with strength loss. Callum asked that as well. Fine, so we've got three requests. Let's do that. <clears throat> Can you shut the door, actually? You probably needed a harder push. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> RPE 6, maybe. To no, that would be the 7 and a half. Really? Where 10 is blowing off the hinges. I don't think I could. Because well, of the wind you're resistance. On, you're on a swivelly chair as well, so you'd That's probably true. move in an equal direction. You, I'd have Are to we brace recording you. this? Yeah. I'd, I'd, have, <laughs> I'd, I'd have to brace myself against the wall, so and then hold your legs steady. So we're discussing whether or not, while sat on a swivelly chair with wheels on, I could push a door off its hinges... I, I don't think even if I was bolted to the floor, I could push the door off its hinges. This all comes back from back to being an audio snob of <laughs> we need to shut the door so the resonance of the room is fine. Seriously, for the podcast. Yeah. What about like the fact the cupboard doors open, like the clothes will absorb the sound. Oh god, cupboard door. That's going to need shutting. It's because there was a wasp in that cupboard before. That got See, you. See, the plot thickens, <laughs> and now I can't. And now move. you can't move. Right. He's done it. There we go. Right, now everyone's going, oh, it won't be long sounds so much better now. before we can't afford to do anything because we've invested all of our money in like making a soundproofed room in the middle of nowhere so that we can go and record a podcast. So I read the other day that oh towels are better than professional sound-blocking foam. So all we need is loads of towels. <laughs> just staple them to all the walls. Where did you read that? I don't know. Audiosnobs.com <laughs> So you email admin at audio snobs and ask them how to soundproof your room. So we, we normally start the podcasts with some embarrassing story about me. So I feel like just to oh um, just God. to turn the tables today. Oh my god. <laughs> Johnny went to see a neurologist a couple of years ago. Oh my god. <laughs> and the neurologist asked him, I want you to push me as hard as you can. Yeah. <laughs> Testing his uh, his upper limb strength. Johnny said are you absolutely sure? <laughs> so, all right, this needs more context. So at, at the time, so what happened was, 
I was getting I've just hit that off there that's going to be really it's going to be so bad that sound isn't it so I, <laughs> he says as he continues to do it <laughs> um, in fairness though that won't be a problem will it it's got foam on the bottom of the dildo so it so, blocks some of the sound but so not only do we have a dildo we have a dildo with foam on one end fantastic to absorb the sound yeah great um, so I was getting headaches I was getting like colours in my vision um, it had been happening for quite a while I got literally sent round everywhere like two GPs went to IA&E which I didn't even know existed did you know that existed? intensive emergency no uh, no <laughs> I A and E. Immigrants emergency. Accident, ac- accident, accident, and emergency for eyes. Oh, okay. Y E S spells yes. What the? Um, so in I A and E, and they were like, "We can't help you. You need to go see a neurologist. It might be migraine related, etc." Um, this is going to be a long story, you know, if we do the full thing. What, to say that because you... there's also the protein thing which is quite funny well go ahead alright so um... so you went to A&E referred to the can I finish writing this text message okay I'll <laughs> while Johnny's writing his little text message <laughs> I just saw it on my screen and I was like god damn it I didn't really, I didn't finish the text message go on then so if you heard one of our previous podcasts um, about time saving hacks you'll you'll find that we that well, or I disable all of my notifications. On this isn't a notification. Device. In my defence, he's just had his messages open. Mm. I was writing a message. You started recording without me knowing. Everyone's and, thinking, "How rude!" And here we he, are. He couldn't. He, here we are. <laughs> I will finish the story. Well, I hope the person who you're responding to knows appreciates. They're it. interrupting a podcast number forty-five. I'll let them know. Well, they'll they'll know when they listen to it. <laughs> How will they know it's them? Well, you're going to have to name and shame. <laughs> no, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> so. Go on. Okay. So, so Johnny went to A&E, referred to the neurologist, and, well, the, that, that's all I know. He, so so he, he took a history. He asked, um, he asked him, how much protein do you eat per day? Yeah. Johnny said 230 grams. 70. 270 grams. It was quite high at the time. Yeah, Three times probably weight in kilos. Right. So, I think he was taken aback I was like 98 by... kilos in, in my defence. Like, it wasn't It wasn't that. It was within the fact... If you look in the evidence, what is a sensible range of protein, it would be upper end of that threshold. So he just... I was in a fat loss his... period as well, so... Oh, okay. Well, you, yeah, I'm sure... You are just living... Oh, okay, fine. Oh, I'm... right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Helms at Owl research, you know, of course. Please continue. So... Yeah, so to, to give quite a precise answer like that is, is a bit unusual. And he said, right, and how much caffeine do you have per day? <laughs> Which Johnny responded with 90 milligrams three times a day, <laughs> spaced three hours apart. I think at that point, probably what happened was he's writing on his notes, you know, either mentally unstable, um, should be placed on watch, shouldn't be allowed to leave, all these kinds of things. Um, but so I think part of he was testing my cranial nerve function by making me like put my finger on my nose, make funny noises, you know, all, all this fun stuff. The test for cranial nerves is actually a lot of fun because to, to do or to be 
Or well, they're just making someone do a lot of really stupid things. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's not fun for the participant. No, for... like you have to put your tongue in their eye and then um, That's really not. finger in the bum and, finger... and, and make them you know, wiggle their ears. At the, and all at the same time. Shout at them, yeah. Right, okay. And then they have to say British Constitution. <laughs> that actually is one. <laughs> I think it's the glossopharyngeal nerve. I don't think I was asked to say British Constitution. It's quite hard to say though, isn't it? It is. He, well, he'd obviously isolated the which cranial nerves he wanted to test. So he's like, if I make him say special British Constitution, that's testing exactly. But if I make him say the Isle of Man, no, that's no. a different. Right, okay. So anyway, part of the test was um, bear in mind this man weighed at most seventy kilos, probably not, probably nowhere near the Lexi, very thin, quite short. Stood. I'm sat on the edge of a. I don't know, like a physio bed, like a hospital bed. I imagine they're standard in. For doctors and people like that. To me, it was a it was a, just a normal bed. Um, he like sat me on the edge and did the thing with the pedal where he like pumped bump, pumped <laughs> me down to like his level, so that my. Um, I love being pumped down with the pedal. <laughs> it's really soothing. I feel a little on edge about it because it's when you're about to get a haircut and it's like ah. Oh, that's okay. fine. Yeah, that's because you know exactly what's about to happen. At this point, I didn't. Yeah. So he, he pumped me down until my. Basically, my hand height was like his mid-stomach. So, um, or did he pump me up? It doesn't matter. My hand height was at his mid-stomach. He placed my hand on his stomach. This is starting to sound a bit weird. It doesn't get weird, I promise. So my hand's on his mid-stomach, and he's right next to me. And he says, push me as hard as you can. Now... Like at the time, dumbbell bench was probably like fifty kilos for reps. I think you just barbell benched one seventy with bum up. Bum massively up, touch and go. Right, but still. But yeah, one seventy. It is one seventy. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm thinking like that man is going to go a long way when I do this. Asked him like, "Are you sure?" Yes. Pushed him. He went across the room, stumbled backwards. Did you have to put your belt on and chalk uh, Belt, sleeves. Ammonia. Yeah. Cat! <laughs> I don't have my headphones. And then, like, you saw the look on his face as he realised, like, for this to be a valid test, I'm going to need to do the other side. <laughs> so, I then have, I then have an appointment with him a week later. And he goes, right, we've had the, the results from your bloods back. You're creatinine and urea levels are high we need you to drop your protein intake now normally i'd advise just listen to your gp or neurologist resident neurologist in this case but i didn't like all right coach like (laughs) why is that then you're gonna drop my volume as well (laughs) so i i said like okay all right mate i'll drop my protein didn't at all and obviously knew exactly how much protein I was eating. So it varied by like 10 grams at most. Came back, had an, had another round of blood tests done, had another another appointment with him a few weeks later. Fantastic. Your uh, your creatinine and urea levels are in line now. And I'm sat there. I didn't mention it, but I sat there like, fantastic. Like I, I beat medicine. I beat the system. <laughs> that I pushed a neurologist the across the room. <laughs> And proved him wrong. There we go. There we go. And I sent my text message. Excellent. So now we can start the, the podcast. The podcast. podcast. Right. So we've been I'm asked. Tired now. 
well, there was a, there's a lot of pushing urologists around, so <laughs> a tiring thing to do. We've been asked three times by different people how to deal with strength loss on a cut. So this is something that there's three main factors for. We're just going to discuss that. It's going to be quite a brief podcast. So, um, yeah, if you're dieting and you started out relatively fat and relatively untrained, you'll be able to gain strength throughout the diet as you start to get leaner and leaner and stronger. Obviously, Johnny's looking at me and laughing. <laughs> I just never noticed your t-shirt before. Is that a penguin? Yeah. I I was thinking about this this morning. I don't know where I got this It's from. a pet. You're just wearing a red t-shirt with a penguin on and the penguin is wearing like a butler's outfit with a top hat and the penguin is carrying a vase and a meat cleaver. So... It's clearly a butcher. That's an old butcher's hat. <laughs> you wouldn't be holding a vase and a meat cleaver. You'd be holding a, some kind of heart. Ah, uh, it's an organ. An organ and a meat cleaver. Ah, uh, so it's a butcher penguin. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I generally... I don't know why. I I think it's... I'll tell you why it is. It's the bow tie. But then, I suppose butchers do wear bow ties. That's like the 1930s classic butcher, isn't it? I, like, what other situation would you hold a vase in one hand and a meat cleaver in the other? What other situation would there be a penguin dressed as a butcher? True. <laughs> Here you are defending it as though it's the most normal thing in the world, removing the fact that it's a penguin and his face is in the shape of a heart. So there's four different characters. Is it a penguin? It's... I think it's a themed so that it was like there's four different characters each one has like heart spade club and ah, diamond so it might not even be a penguin uh, yeah maybe just the heart man and he's holding a heart yeah have you stopped recording I haven't stopped recording but I'm just checking how long we've been recording <laughs> 13 minutes and we've been <laughs> sorry we've been rambling sorry so yeah the last thing I want to the last thing I want to mention is earlier I tried to eat a protein, a my protein protein pudding at Yusuf's house and asked him for a spoon. The only cutlery in the house was a baby fork and a baby spoon. And I don't mean a small fork and a small spoon. I mean cutlery designed for babies. Smooth edges, plastic, sort of matte. Like design. nice colours, easy wash. So naturally I had to film, film Johnny doing that. That's probably on yeah. some media by the time you hear this. Anyway, I will stop derailing us. So yeah, training on a cut. People losing strength, strategies to maintain performance when you're on an aggressive cut, and what diet and training modifications you might need to make to keep things moving. So first of all, when you're on a cut, obviously you're in a calorie deficit. So training recovery is lower, and your energy levels are also lower. So those are the two things that, that happen when you're on a cut. The things that are maintained are your technical proficiency, and that's something that you can improve. So if you play it right, there doesn't have to be a situation where you're losing strength or losing muscle while, while on a cut. And in many cases, with most of our clients, they continue to gain strength throughout, as long as we do the right stuff. So this also depends on how aggressive the cut is and there's a seesaw here because the more aggressive you cut, the less long you have to do it. So the less time you're spending under a deficit, the less um, number of training sessions you have to do with, you know, with poor performance, low energy, but equally 
the risk of muscle loss and metabolic slowdown is slightly higher. So, any thoughts, Johnny? Yeah. On the start? <laughs> I was looking for a space to interject. I think the... I think people who cut quickly, you can't, I think it is possible to cut quickly and aggressively, assuming your goal is not single-digit body fat. I think if you're looking to move down weight classes, for example, or drop a few kilos, I'd always favour get in, lose some weight, get out of the deficit as quickly as possible. If your goal is, right, I want to get to the point where I can see my abs, I think you want to be in a graduate, the, the smallest deficit possible while maintaining a sensible rate of weight loss. I actually think the biggest mistake that I see people make across the board is playing with training volume. So they start cutting and they think, ah, oh. so I mean, I, I got sent a link to like something that another fitness professional said, I won't say who it is, but it was talking about like adjusting volume, but maintaining intensity and, and different, like toying with elements of volume, load and tonnage. And my attitude is why change tonnage? Like why change volume load? until you absolutely have to. The biggest way to ensure that you will maintain muscle and therefore strength is by creating the greatest demand possible that you can recover from. And most people think, oh, I'll drop my training sessions, I'll use less weight, I'll do less sets. Straight away, you've reduced the amount of pr progress you've made over time. So obviously this is assuming that you're starting with a sensible amount of volume and that your programming is That's sensible. True. Yeah. But equally people will yeah so so playing with it for no reason just thinking oh well i'm in a cut i'm in a different mode now and and people do very funky things either increase volume massively because they think that it's it's more fat burning or drop volume massively and i as well like i'm gonna start dieting so i need a new program is rationally if you if you were to write it down i've been following a program that's been working for me yeah so i'm going to change my program like the probably the worst thing you can do actually is change your program when you start to diet that's not to say that what you're doing when you're in a calorie surplus and you've been progressing for 12 weeks or whatever is going to take you through a 20 week diet without killing you but at least for the first five six seven weeks there's, there should be no reason to change it um and i think people try and pair fat loss with um a fat loss program which i think again is a false idea i think there's no there's no such thing necessarily the program you want to be on is one that you would assume would lead to strength gain or muscle gain and that's going to give you the best chance of at least maintaining your strength so i wrote an article about this and the problem with changing your program as well is that you're changing your mental state and there's a, there's a shift towards mm -hmm. i'm in a diet therefore i'm going to be losing strength and if you're in that mindset, then you're, you're coming in the gym expecting to lose strength. You're not going to be aiming for progress or aiming for PBs. Mm. And so what happens is anything is put down to, oh, well, I'm dieting, I'm losing strength. So this is going to happen. And it doesn't have to be that way. A lot of the, a lot of the strength losses that someone might see if they're losing a lot of weight are the mechanical factors, which will then highlight technical complacency. So if you have a large belly, that's going to provide a lot more stability with your squat, for example. And as that drops, you're going to need to then compensate by improving your abdominal bracing to make sure that you have some pressure head to, to push off against with your squats, for example. So tightening that up can help recover some of that strength. Um, and particularly if you start taking the technique side of things more seriously, and it's the best time to do that. 
you can get a big return on investment for um, improving your technique, particularly when you're dieting, because you're not going to be gaining muscle during that time, so or very little. So this is the the most simple way to continue things progressing. I think that said, probably the only people that experience big shifts in their leverages or proportions are going to be people who are on the extreme end anyway. So if someone is overweight and really strong and they drop a lot of weight very quickly, they probably will experience an immediate change in their strength levels because as Yusuf says, the leverages have changed. The bench press range of motion is probably greater. Squat probably feels a lot less stable. Same with deadlift. If someone is within what I'd consider like the normal ranges of BMI and they're looking to drop weight while maintaining their strength, I don't think changes in body proportion is going to be a big factor. It'll play an impact, certainly, but that shouldn't be kind of top of mind when considering this stuff. So something that is overstated and the subset of people who are overweight but extremely strong and Mm. losing lots of weight is is very, it's quite narrow. It's tiny. And, And those people, you know, if... If someone is very strong and very heavy and they, they drop two weight classes, they're going to immediately become very competitive as mm. a lifter, even if they do lose some of the strength along the way. Yeah, they're probably moving, you know, significant loads if, if it's going to be an issue for them, I would assume. I think probably the, the problem is, you know, this is um, the idea of a fat loss program exists for profit related reasons. You know, the, a lot of the media available online discusses the idea of changing your programming for fat loss so that fat loss programs can be sold um which is unfortunate because you know people only know what they read and what they listen to so as here we are adding to that problem but yeah like i i I read countless times that you know you should be training no more than three times a week you should be doing like three to five sets on main lifts and not much else um and i followed that for a long time and got weaker while dieting um I had recent experience of this actually at the start of this year where I added um, 10 kilos to my, so my deadlift went from 292.5 kilos to 300 kilos. My squat went from 220 kilos to 240 kilos while in a calorie deficit. Now some of that is technique change as you pointed out. So I switched from high bar to low bar and I changed my sumo deadlift setup. But the point remains, like even after being training for the end of 10 years, I was still able to set up a scenario whereby I got stronger in a deficit. So if you'd made those first two mistakes, if when you decided to go into a deficit, you vastly reduced your training volume or vastly mm. increased it, or you went into that cut with the mindset of, oh, well, I'm not going to be increasing my total. Yeah. Do you think you would have done the same thing? Well, 100% no. So the training plan was built on a progression from the months prior with the view of competing several months later. So I almost, looking back, I didn't even think about it. It was just a plan that was discussed with my coach at the time. We built a training program to peak me for a meet in May. It wasn't like, oh, you might get weaker, let's change the program. It's let's just build the approach as normal, see what your weight does in, you know, as a as a side project almost. One of the great benefits of coaching, and mm. it's, it's very difficult to, to get yourself out of the mindset when you're very focused on the ground level stuff, but if you can if you can have the presence to then step back and say, over the next 12 weeks, I want to achieve this. What inputs do I require? Okay, I'll set those inputs, set the course of the ship, and then I'm not even going to worry about the output. I'm mm. like, either the coach is going to do it for me for the adjustments, or like I'm just setting the, the inputs, setting the course, 
and then at 12 weeks I'm going to reevaluate. That just means you can focus on giving your best input and then seeing where you're at at the end of the cycle. Yeah, um, I, I think as well, it, I think it's, it's easy to almost look for confirmation of an idea. So if you're in a deficit and you have a bad session, you're going to blame it on the deficit. If you were otherwise, you know, eating plenty of food and you had a bad session, you'd, you'd chalk it up to one of a hundred other factors. Um, but this this idea of like micromanaging how training's going and missing a rep here or having to drop the weight by five kilos there will sometimes be enough to make someone say, right, training's not working for me anymore. I'm changing, I'm doing reverse pyramid training or I'm doing like five, three, one or something simpler. Um, whereas actually probably all you need to do drop a set of two exercises across the week maybe at a push um, and that would come from your assistance movements first rather than yeah, your main lifts exactly I think keep, keeping the core of you know whether you're a powerlifter or not keeping the core of the main lifts in there is going to provide the most efficient work so it makes the most sense to leave that volume the same whereas we see some people that they'll they'll drop all of their lower body work but they'll add in five sets of curls at the end of every session <laughs> because they want to maintain that arm size and it's like well, why are you doing that? Like, you're not going to be, you're not going to be getting bigger arms. So, yeah. So, yeah, what what you said there is a, another really important factor, which is training quality. And so during a diet, actual muscle loss is actually pretty hard to achieve if you're eating enough protein and if you're training. Those two things will vastly outweigh any micromanaging of hormones or particular training frequency or anything as long as you have those factors in place um, muscle loss will be minimal and that muscle will be easily regained once you're back in a surplus again so the big factor in perceived strength loss is training quality and so obviously if you're in the mindset of i'm dieting so i'm getting weaker that's not going to help with that but a deficit ultimately means a decrease in performance for training so it doesn't mean you're getting weaker it just means that um, fatigue is going to be um, closer. You, you, you're going to be closer to fatigue, and also you won't be able to produce the same kind of performance on a given day. So, if you're feeling more tired, you may not be able to accumulate the volume necessary to maintain your strength, and that's why you have to suddenly just be a lot more efficient with the effort that you're doing, not just throw in loads of extra interval cardio because your recovery capacity suddenly becomes a lot more limited. So you've got to be more thrifty with it i think you can get away with a lot less with when you're in a deficit you know trying to train after five and a half hours of sleep and stuff like that you know that the the margin for error is much smaller and as you have saying you know you, even things like rushing a rushing a warm-up and stuff like that you know you want to be perfectly prepared for every session to maximize the chance of hitting the reps and maintaining that strength because if you perceive the strength as take the mindset of this strength is my muscle mass. If I can maintain this at all costs, that's going to give me the best chance of maintaining my muscle mass, which will result in the best result of the diet. So, I mean, it sounds like we're criticizing people who, who make these mistakes, but you know, we were on that side of, of things for years. Um, I think it's only really by getting it wrong that you can truly learn, but you know, hopefully, um, we want to hopefully save you hope that you, time. Yeah, that's, well, that's a kind of the crux of what we do, isn't it? Is bypassing that problem. But um, I think bearing in mind, you know, whenever you read, you know, like 
12 week fat loss training program, you know, always, always consider the agenda of that kind of thing. Um, because the reality is training is a stimulus. And if we reduce or change that stimulus, it's going to reduce or change the output. And that's the last thing we want. We want to maintain the progress we'll be making in a muscle gain phase or an off season, whatever your goal may be. There is one more thing that being, uh, so I think I used to be very afraid of, of muscle loss and thinking if I'm dieting, I'm losing any muscle, that is hard work that's going to take years to recover. And actually it seems to, the evidence seems to point towards that not being as much of a concern in that the myonuclei density, so the density of the, the satellite cells in, in your muscles are what dictate your maximum muscle size. And they are what then are the sort of the, the fact, the, the driving force behind the amount of contractile proteins that you can make um, in a muscle. So if you lose the contractile proteins during a diet, for example, it doesn't mean that it's going to take the same amount of time to rebuild that as it did the first time. So even if you lose some muscle or you lose some strength, which again, as I say, this is rare, it's normally just the perception of that from losing fullness and losing intramuscular fat as well, which uh, which can look like size in a t-shirt. But let's say even if you did lose some muscle, that can be recovered quickly as well. So if your protein is high enough and your training frequency is, is appropriate to your goals, then even if you lose a few kilos off your bench or, or whatever, then you, you'll be okay. <laughs> and if you're finding that you're consistently losing strength in a diet or, or things are really taking a turn south, it's maybe a time to think, should I be taking a diet break? Should I uh, stop trying to, to push for this and see what's going wrong here? Maybe there's other stresses going on in my life that need to be addressed before I continue with this. There's no rush. Or, you know, look at the obvious things. What is, where is my protein intake? What is my volume like? Training volume, that is. What are my calories at? Um, back to my neurologist experience, a lot of the evidence does point to higher protein intake, dietary protein intake demands when in a calorie deficit. Um, and you can, you can check out that research if you want, if you just Google Eric Helms and protein i assume i imagine you'll find that um so i think that points to around 2.8 grams per kilo as being the high end of what would be required for um a dieting bodybuilder essentially so um higher demand of protein during deficits is going to mean that if you are trying to use the same protein intake as you as you were using during a period of surplus you're kind of risking something so it's easy, it's it's a much even even if you don't believe that it's a it's a factor, cover your bases, up your protein intake, ensure if you're dieting for a long period of time that your calories aren't stupidly low, your deficits sensible as little as possible, and then look at things like how does my training compare to what my training was like prior to starting this diet? Have I made any big changes? Have I made any big increases in my calorie in my training volume? And then. Yeah, look at your recovery, look at your overall stress, because just as your tolerance to training decreases, your tolerance to life stresses also decrease. So if you're going through a period of exams or difficult time at home, whatever it might be, and you're piling on calorie deficit and the stress associated with that tough period of training and things aren't working, the scale stalling, training volume is difficult to manage, 
as Yusuf says, maybe it's time to take your foot off the gas, take a break and return to it when things have settled down a little bit. It's not it's not admitting failure when that happens. Sometimes it does just need a reset. It's just being sensible. Yeah, psychologically and physiologically. So in summary, five things. Don't um, make changes to the volume that you can't justify when you're going into a diet. Secondly, don't go into the, it with the mindset of I will be losing strength and because that, that's just going to impact your attitude as you come into the gym. And that is probably going to be one of the, the bigger impacts on strength loss rather than what you think is causing the strength loss. Thirdly, your training quality is what determines your ability to accumulate the volume that you need to maintain your strength. So that's why we recommend things like getting enough sleep, having your carbs as high as possible to support your training quality while still being within the constraints of the calories so you can continue losing weight within your target range. Number four, use a diet as a chance to really hone your technique and as I said, losing weight and the mechanical factors of losing weight will highlight your technical complacency. So that's something that we need to uh, make sure to really put a big focus on. And then you can continue that momentum and gain strength in terms of at least gain strength on paper throughout your diet. And number five is just don't be stupid. Like don't be stupid with <laughs> calories, protein, make sure that you're doing all of the other things that are um supportive in in the evidence of um maintaining your your strength and muscle and if need be take a break just don't be stupid in general as well don't be stupid in general it's great advice great so that is it for propane podcast episode 45 uh please do leave us a review on itunes if you like this podcast or if you hate it as well leave us a a one star and say i think those guys are dicks Uh, i listened all the way through this uh this podcast the thing is Everybody always says that. Like, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and everyone always goes, like, leave us a review on iTunes and blah, blah, blah. And I, I, you always think, like, oh, I can't be bothered. But the more listeners we get, the more likely we are to be able to continue doing this. So reviews do matter. Definitely. They do help us. And the bigger guests we can get on, uh, we can yeah. take on any requests. It, that, that reminds me as well, like, if there's anybody who you want to hear us being interviewed... Like David just, Cameron, the Queen. Yeah, we'll, we'll give them a shout. Um, I, I can text the Queen, actually. I've got her on WhatsApp. Got her. So. <laughs> She'll send us Dave's number, I imagine. Well, she's, she Snapchatted me this morning. Um, oh, did she? Yeah, so. Woke up like this. Hashtag. Well, yeah, well, it was that filter that makes you look good. Ah, uh, of yeah. course. Classic. Classic uh, Queenie. Absolute classic. So, yeah, let us know. Um, just shoot us a message on the, the Facebook group. And on the Facebook page, rather. And also, <laughs> you can get show notes for all of our podcasts on the website propanefitness.com where you can download the episodes for offline listening you can get the episodes on android stitcher and you can watch the episodes on youtube yeah you can just do what you want any think of any platform we are all over it so and yeah if you're driving we've mentioned something and you think like god i wish i could take notes on that don't worry We've done it for you, just propanefitness.com. If you sign up to our email list by downloading our free ebook, you also get first notifications. So we'll just email the podcast to you to minimize your effort. Yep, we send emails um, two to three times a week and they're usually packed with exclusive content that we don't share with people on uh, on the public facing channels. So naked photos of you stuff as well. It's mostly naked photos of me actually, yeah. That's what he means by packed with content. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those innuendos you see <laughs> cool to go with this dildo microphone <laughs> so that's us signing off on our dildo microphone 
Dildo 1. And we'll speak to you soon. Dildo (laughs) 2. We'll speak to you next time.